What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the College Football Degenerate Podcast. As always, I'm here with your boy, Michael. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. Yeah, um, I would like to, to take the start of this to do something that I'm not going to have to do much this year. And thankfully, I don't have to say this about a game, but um, I was wrong. And Michael, you know, you weren't fully agreeing with me when I said this last episode, but I said this 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 week of college football was going to be awful. And we might be able to both agree, arguably, this might have been the most exciting. I mean, it was it was crazy. You know, of course, the game that don't look good are the most exciting in college football because that's just how it works. And um, yeah, it was shocking. How did you how did you feel watching it? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe not the most exciting. It was the most interesting. Uh, there are a lot of games that are like, wow, makes you ask questions, make you wonder about the landscape of college football, and make you think, man, you know, I would have thought this team, I would have thought a Georgia, a Michigan, a Texas, a Florida State, and Alabama would have looked significantly better this week than they did. But they didn't, and it made for some interesting football. And we had some really crazy endings, the Kansas State-Missouri game, the Colorado-Colorado State game. I mean, it was insane. Uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It, was, it um, doesn't matter, man. College football every week is going to provide some good to watch. I mean, that's why it's the greatest sport in the world, man. That's absolutely. I, should have, um, I shouldn't have doubted it. You know, I shouldn't have looked at the slate. I should have believed in the sport. And, you know, I got, I'm going to own up to that, you know. And I know it was hard talking about, you know, what what's the headline of this week. And I really I really don't know what to start with. You know, there's so many places I would go. I want to go with this. But let's start with what I think, you know, I think this is probably not the biggest story. But I just want to get into it. Tennessee versus Florida. Michael, give me your thoughts. Um... You know, Florida looked better than they had in the past, especially in that Utah game. Uh, the run game, they were able to establish it. Trevor, Trevor Etienne is really good. This is the Tennessee rushing attack that the fans of Florida and their, you know, positive, you know, sayers rather than the naysayers like myself. This is the ones that were saying this is what they were saying was going to show up and they showed up this week. But I think main, the biggest takeaway is that Tennessee has some serious plot problems. Um, Joe Milton has a good arm, but a great arm. He, he one of the best arms, you know, in college football. But I don't know if he's like fully the guy. I mean, but even then, you know, the problems with Tennessee lie a lot farther than just Joe Milton. They just don't, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like they have the receivers on the outside like they did last year. You know, obviously it was going to be tough to replace a Jay and Hy- Jalen Hyatt and, uh, you know, Cedric Tillman. But Tennessee fans all offseason said, no, we'll be fine. You know, our defense will also get better and we'll still be able to run the ball. Uh, when you look at this game, however, the offense of weapons were not there. There were multiple drop passes, too. Brew McCoy was pretty good, but outside of that, it wasn't much of anything. 
you look at the rushing attack from Trevor Etienne, 172 yards, seven and a half yards a carry, and a touchdown. And then on Tennessee's side, uh, Jalen Wright, you know, he had 63 yards, but on 16 carries, I mean, four yards a carry isn't bad, but I don't know. I just never watched this game feeling like Tennessee was in a very explosive team. Simply put, they weren't the team last year that could hang up half, a, you know, half a hundred on you. That just doesn't feel like this team anymore. Um, maybe people have started to figure out their gimmick offense. You know, I said that Kirby had figured it out. It was quite obvious. You just, you know, don't let them throw it over top. You know, they're that's what they're trying to do. They just short, 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 and then Jalen Hyatt burns some corner, and that's basically what their offense was last year. Um, yeah, um, Florida's Florida's physical style of defense, you know, was some trouble for him, and Joe Milton's decision making was subpar again. Which I mean, that that interception when he just threw it up when he was getting sacked. I mean, that's that's a very very amateur mistake, something you shouldn't do. Just trying to do too much. But where I saw the biggest problem, which going into this game, I didn't think there was any way I would come out of it with this result, but. I think Billy Napier severely outcoached Josh Heupel. I mean, yeah, um, Josh Heupel, he, he didn't seem to have his guys ready. You know, aside from Joe Milton, I mean, we we make fun of, you know, teams like USC and, you know, teams like that that we say have bad defenses. But the tackling that Tennessee displayed was some of the worst I've seen by an SEC program. And again, Trevor Etienne, great running back. You know, he, he had some great runs, but all those broken tackles. I mean, the lack of effort from Tennessee in a must-win game that they easily could have won. You know, I know Florida yeah. came out on top. I know they're better and more battle-tested playing Utah. And, you know, Graham Mertz was a game manager. He didn't make any huge mistakes, which is exactly what they need. Because, let's be honest, Graham Mertz isn't really going to be more than that. But... No. It was just kind of shocking to see the way Florida beat them. Like, you knew it was going to be by pounding the ball and having good defense. But there were just, like, easy mental errors. And just it was just simple stuff that Tennessee was messing up. It was just, it was interesting to see, to say the least. Yeah, it was, it was very odd. The game was very odd in my, I mean, I also got to think, you know, the fact that, you know, people are bringing up the refs. And there were some pretty bad calls in this game. But Tennessee, they went 0 of 3 on fourth down. Like, that is inexcusable. You can't do that. You can't go 0 of 3, especially considering where most of these were. They were in the second half when they're trying to get the comeback and they get, you know, first down, get a second first down. And. You know, just turn the ball over on just not having the right play. It was, you know, that 0 and 3 on fourth down is bad. You're not going to win many games. And there was that one drive where, in like early in the third quarter, where they wasted two timeouts. Like, what, yeah. what's happening? I don't it was know, just like man. Weird. It was a weirdly coached game, some coaching flaws. Like, flaws you would see from an inexperienced coach, which again, I pull. You know, he's only been the coach for a year coming into this, but just the poise he showed oh, he's last He's been year, there two years. I, again, he was there I, two years. Oh, he was there too. Okay. Um, yeah. 
no, this but is year three right now. But yeah, I don't know what you're saying. It's it was crazy. just an experience I mean, he would show in like more of a year. It was just weird. It was just weird to see him like be able to play a team like Alabama that was good last year, be able to like coach that game brilliantly to just lose a game like this that was very winnable and they should have won it. It was um, it was crazy. Yeah, this was not. That was not the Josh Heupel coaching that led to Tennessee being the number one ranked team for one week in November. Never forget. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the main stuff I took away from that game. I don't know. I think Tennessee is going to have to – I feel like they're going to have to do some soul searching or something. Yeah, I agree. This, could, this good. could be a multiple loss Tennessee team this year. But, uh, definitely. Um, keeping it in the SEC, um, I want to talk about – the Missouri-Kansas State game, you know, I want to get into the actual game. Before I do, you know, I just want to say college football is wonderful for, you know, everything it is, but especially the redemption arcs that you can have. Like, you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts gets taken out and then brings home into a playoff. You know, that's great. He didn't get it done, but stuff like that. And this one isn't as severe, but I just want to say that last year there was a game, and Missouri... Missouri had a very bad team last year, but they had a game against Auburn, and I forget the yardage, but they had like I think it was either like a tw- it was it was a twenty or thirty yard field goal, chip shot field goal to win the game. Their kicker Harrison Mebus, you know, was pretty decent last year, misses it, you know, and I think he missed another one in overtime, and they ended up losing that game, and he got an insane amount of hate, which again I don't think you should ever hate on someone, but I will say the criticism was well deserved. Fast forward all the way to this year, in possibly the biggest win in Missouri history over the last five years, he breaks the SEC record for the longest kick made. I mean, you cannot make a better finish. Michael, wh- what did you feel when you saw that kick go in? Uh, man, it was crazy. Uh, as someone who was high on Kansas State... As you know, I had them at number 11. I still think Kansas State's a good team. This loss, as someone who has followed Kansas State football for a good while, just, you know, watching college football, Kansas State's always pretty good. This loss does not surprise me in the least um, on the account that Kansas State always manages to do this. Like last year when they lost to Tulane. Um... Before we knew like Tulane was like really good, they lose to Tulane, and then the next week they get a massive win. I forgot who against it was now, but um, so uh, Kansas State will be fine, is what I'm saying. They played a good game too. That's the thing. There are a lot of teams that won this week that didn't play good. Kansas State was an example of a team that played good for the most part and lost. Uh, and I think the main reason, I mean, Brady Cook had a m- amazing game. I mean, he was getting booed earlier in the game by it his was, Missouri It was a crowd. crazy game through injury, too. Like, that was, that was, yeah. that looked like it was a pretty bad leg injury, too. And yeah, he was hobbling all over the place, but he goes out there 23 of 35, 356 yards, and two touchdowns. He showed out, especially in that second half, and especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was huge. Uh, Luther Burden, we were talking about it. Luther Burden is like a top five, has got to be, in my opinion, a top five wide receiver in college football. And probably you said it was your number one. My, it's my number two wide receiver in the SEC. But I was talking about how good Luther Burden was 
in during the off season, and you were like, oh, uh, no, Luther Burden is him. And that uh, one play where they got it to him on that, like, kind of like the screen, he just made everyone miss. That was crazy. He is good. Yeah, it was. It, it was beautiful, man. You know, you know. I don't want to get too much into the wide receiver rankings, but I probably have him. I probably have him four, four or five in the country. I mean, he's absolutely insane. I mean, if you look at that dump off pass they had in the fourth quarter, he made that thirty yard touchdown. Like that was, yeah. that was crazy. He had, he had an insane game. And you know, both of us, when we were talking about our predictions for the SEC earlier this year, I think we predicted Missouri to maybe have three or four wins at most. Absolutely unbelievable that they're doing. Head coach, young head coach, love what he's doing. It was um it, it was great to see for a program like Missouri. Yeah, uh this was a good win for them. And I mean with how the SEC East looks, I mean they could like realistically finish second in the East. I mean, it would not surprise me. also I don't know, I mean it's kind of gotten lost in the you know, the world of football and everything that happened. Uh, you know, only everyone only remembers the the field goal that made and, you know, the new longest field goal in SEC history. But that ending was so crazy to that game. Like, uh, if y'all watched it, you would know what I'm saying. Toby, I know you we watched it. You talking about the delayed game? Yeah, that was so weird. It was like, what in the world's happening? Like, yeah. you just need – I like – they spiked the ball, and I guess they thought they called a timeout or whatever, or a TV timeout or whatever, and they're just sitting there around the sideline, you know, drinking water and stuff like that, forgetting, oh, we got to actually still play. Uh, and throughout all that, they end up hitting the field goal, which was crazy. Um, man, uh, great win for Missouri. This is a huge one. Uh, next week, though, they do play Memphis. Uh, so... Maybe a potential letdown spot. I don't know. I think if Missouri can show out, they can win that one. Yeah, I really start taking them serious. Yeah, um, they have some. They has actually. Well, besides Memphis, they have Memphis and Charlotte. Their next biggest game is I forget. They, it's LSU. They got LSU. LSU. That's their first team. test. The only thing I'm scared about is I'm overlooking a team like Memphis and a team like Charlotte, which again I know there will be or Vanderbilt. It was but, Vandy. Yeah, I think they got, um, uh, Memphis, Vandy, then LSU. But yeah, the, the point is, I can see, yeah, I, I, mean, can, I can see them six and zero going into. Um, I can see them being six and zero going into the LSU game, which would be kind of crazy. But moving things along, don't want to harp on that too much. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of crazy things in college football. You know, I've seen I've seen Nick Saban win multiple national championships, tear apart the SEC, and he could not do it against south florida um i just want to give my quick thoughts um first off i'm glad it was announced today if it made anything clear uh, besides just what the entire team did jalen milro needs to be playing football at the quarterback position for alabama i mean i just cannot believe how bad tyler buckner looked ty simpson did not look great he wasn't awful but he did not look great and this offensive line that was hyped up around the entire country, you know, one of the biggest offensive lines, three offensive linemen above 300 pounds. I mean, it was crazy. And, yep. you know, I just, I don't even want to say it was coaching because Nick Saban, you know, it was just players. There was just a lack of effort by a lot of the team. 
And, you know, I heard some people saying it's because they didn't like the quarterback switch. But, I mean, only 17 points for South Florida. I mean, and it was really only 10. They scored in, like, the last, like, 30 seconds, like, as the clock was running out. But, I mean, this offense cannot get anything going. And I think this might be the first year that I'm going to see a three-loss Alabama team. Michael, I'm, I'm interested to see your thoughts on that. Uh, before I get into anything, I want to show you, like, list out the drives for Alabama. Opening drive, punt. Next uh, drive, punt. Next drive, punt. 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 Field goal to tie it up 3-3. End of half. Next, uh, second half, punt. Then they get a touchdown. Punt. Punt. Right before the end of the game, they get another touchdown to make it 17-3. I mean, I just don't know. Like, I was extremely critical of Alabama during the offseason, where I said I didn't particularly believe in any of the quarterbacks. And I don't think I could have been... I thought I couldn't have been any lower on what they were. I mean, it's ridiculous. They they were Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner were worse than what I thought they were, and I had a very low opinion on them. They were horrible. Nobody on the team cried at all. I mean, thank God they were playing South Florida who won like one game last year against an FCS opponent. Otherwise, they would have lost this game. I mean, there's a lot of teams that struggled this week, like Georgia, like Florida State, like Texas, like, you know, Michigan, like Penn State. If Alabama had have played South Carolina, had have played Illinois, had have played Wyoming, had have played Boston College, with what they showed on Saturday, they would have lost that game. I mean, it's crazy. Like, thankfully, you know, Roydell Williams showed up. You know, he took the pacifier out of his mouth and got a real mouth guard, and he actually played pretty decent. Uh, I don't, I mean, this might be the worst game in the Nick Saban era. Like, there, obviously, the loss to, uh, uh, Louisiana Monroe is really bad, but that but was again, in that year was, one yeah, in two thousand seven. Yeah, there's been other games that they've lost that were worse than this, or like worse than the fact that they lost. But I don't think I've seen uh, a Nick Saban coach team look this bad and play with this lack of care. I mean, everyone was talking about it like, oh man, oh. Alabama lost to Texas, man. Watch out for everyone else. Now Nick Saban's going to have them playing real good. He's going to light a fire in them. They're going to be unbeatable. If they play like that, if they play like they played against South Florida, and I'm not saying they are, they're probably going to have some games where they, they're going to step it up. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a really long year. You know, they might have four or five losses. At the end yeah, of the year, I, I if wouldn't, they show I wouldn't go like that, that far, but I could see, I could see, I realistically could see three losses. Um, I don't see them beating a team that we're going to talk about. Ness, actually, I don't think they can beat LSU this year. And you know, 
I have I have a question saved for overreaction or just about okay. right. So I don't want to I don't want to get too much into this game, but just quick thoughts. I mean, there's not much to say. Jaden Daniels looked great. LSU as a whole looked great, especially their defense. And they went into Mississippi State and just absolutely, you know, beat beat the bell cow. Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah. What do you what do you think about it? Um. You know, as a team, Mississippi State, they wanted to run a lot. You know, they averaged 4.5 yards per carry. You take away and the Will Rogers stuff, it's higher. Um, and they have, like, over 100 yards rushing. But outside of, like, one rush that was, like, 30, 40 yards, they struggled. Out of the 52-yard run, excuse me, they struggled. Now, you obviously can't take that away. It happened. But the fact that outside of one big play that nothing really will rogers is one of the best quarterbacks in the sec in my opinion um he every time he'd snap the ball there was like four lsu defenders right in his face uh it was terrible and this was a very popular you know team to battle and a lot of people put a lot of money on mississippi state to, you know, at least cover the nine and a half that they were, you know, given. And there were a lot of people that thought Mississippi State could win, get the upset. LSU looks really good right now. Uh, And that Florida State win is looking even better than it. I mean, Florida State beating them looks even better than it did, you know, last week or at the time. I mean, LSU is a good team. 100%. Hundred percent. Um, you know the the last the last game I actually want to get into, you know, because again there weren't too many crazy or good matchups this week. But like I said, some games were crazy. Um, Boston College versus Florida State. What happened? I mean, you know, take away some bad penalties. Boston College wins that game easily. I mean, they had almost two hundred penalty yards. Take that away. Boston College would have put up some more points because Florida State could not contain that quarterback, which, again, I'll admit he had a good game, dual threat. What happened to Florida State? I mean, I just... Jordan Travis looked okay. The receivers dropped some passes. Their defense did not look very good. Michael, what, what went wrong? Um, I think the big thing is the fact that like, Keon Coleman... Was he hurt? I, I don't think he was. I mean, Keon Coleman was nowhere to be seen this game. Uh, I mean, look, I don't. I think I, no, I don't think he got hurt. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't get hurt. No, I don't think he was. No, uh, no, Keon Coleman. I mean, he might as well have been zero targets. He, he was he getting just getting cardio out there? Were they just not? I mean. For the first two weeks of the year, Keon Coleman looked like the best receiver in college football. And against Boston College, the same Boston College that lost to Northern Illinois, the same Boston College that last week they had to, you know, late in the game, they pulled away from Holy Cross, an FCS team. That Boston College almost beat Florida State. I mean, really and truly, the fact that 
Boston College had 18 penalties. That's what lost them the game. I mean, you can't go out there and have 18 penalties, and you're not you're not going to win many games at all. But see, that's and, the crazy thing. Like we 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 didn't expect that many penalties, but we expected a bad game for Boston College. And if you take into account account all those penalties, and you just look at the score, saying that Florida State only edged them by two points, that is absolutely unbelievable. I think. I think Florida State should have dropped a little bit more in the rankings. That was that was awful. I mean, they're they're lucky that other teams struggled as much as they did because goodness, that that was crazy. Yeah. Um, probably what happened is they're looking ahead to Clemson next week, but man, which which could be could be scary. I do want to say, but moving on, it is um. It is time for another edition. Oh no! Of There's one game that we we didn't talk. About. I don't know how we talked about I, it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I already know what you're gonna say. And you know what? It's I'm the late give it, night game. The the late night game. The oh, Colorado, did we Colorado not talk State. about that? Oh my god! I thought you were gonna talk about the Georgia South Carolina game, which was just no, simple we'll, as Georgia State later. had a bad first half. I mean Georgia, they had a good second half. You know. Yeah. A little spark to which South Carolina. We, we'll showed. talk about that later, but. Yeah, Colorado, Colorado State, man, that was a game. Yeah, I was um, saying, I don't know how I how I forgot about that because I literally I stayed up until two thirty watching that game, and I literally I again I bet on a good amount of the games. I I had no no coin in this game whatsoever. I'm just a fan of Colorado. I want to see them do well. I think they're going to put up a decent fight against Oregon, but that does not matter at all because what happened? I mean. All I want to say is, again, I'm no offensive coordinator. I'm no offensive player. You could give me any average Joe, and I could throw a crossing route to him over the middle of the field 40 times because that's exactly what Colorado State did the entire time. What was Colorado's defensive scheme? I mean, the only thing that I could take away from that game, if I'm Colorado and I'm really happy with, is Shadur Sanders is him. Yes, he struggled most of that game, but... That 98-yard drive, that two-point conversion to tie the game, his poise in overtime, absolutely insane. But this defense, I mean, the lines on both sides of the ball, I mean, the depth is not there. The talent's not there. The skill positions, you know, are really what's keeping Colorado alive. And with the Travis Hunter injury, I don't know, Michael, what, what, what did you see in that game? Uh, yeah, it was kind of a weird game. I mean, Colorado State, I mean, they threw it to basically three people. Uh, Torrey Holton had 16 receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. Lewis Brown, the fourth, had 10 receptions, 131 yards and a touchdown. And then their tight end, Dalen Hooker, had six receptions for 109 yards and two touchdowns. And then one other guy, uh, Justice Ross Simmons, he had um, three catches for 24 yards. But it was three people, and they just kept on running drag routes the entire game. Uh, and Colorado did not do anything to, you know, stop it. Um, they kind of just sat there and like, what was it, cover three, cover two, and just said, you're not going to beat us over the top. And Colorado took what they were, I mean, Colorado State took what they were given. And, man, I mean, if it wasn't for like the three interceptions, you know, that pick six that uh, Shiloh Sanders had, um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Colorado's, Colorado played bad enough to lose that game. 
And, I mean, Colorado, Colorado State gave that game away. I mean, another game where penalties, 17 penalties for 182 yards. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, there were a lot of games that were really sloppy this week. A lot of penalties. This game, obviously the Boston College, Arkansas gave up over 200 yards in uh, penalty. I believe. Yeah. I want to say. I want, yeah. So, like, I don't know what it was this week, but, man, Shador Sanders, he was amazing on that last drive. I don't know. Colorado looks definitely vulnerable. They can't run the ball. They, don't, they just don't have the lines of scrimmage to run the ball. And they're going to have to be better. And hopefully uh, Travis Hunter will be back. That that was a real uh, dirty hit from the Oh, Colorado yeah. And you could tell. I mean, I don't want to say that was coach. I want to take a shot at Colorado State. But they did a lot of things that game that really questioned the motives of that coach. And, you know, his antics before yeah, the game. Fell. It was just a really... Really dirty played game, honestly. Yeah. From both well, I mean, sides, it was a very aspects. yeah. Both sides. I mean, Shador Sanders poked. Uh, all, that was crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised that nothing happened on that. I mean, I like. I, I mean, their kind of response to this game online and all this. I mean, I don't want to say if a Colorado State dude had have poked Shador Sanders in the eye, you know, the different response would have been different, but. It would have a hundred percent been different. I don't know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, it would definitely was, been different. Uh, yeah, was Colorado struggling against the Colorado State team. I know it's a rivalry game. I know it's a rivalry game. But you were twenty-four point favorites at home, where you have every celebrity there at the game, and you said publicly that this game's personal and that this game it may it means something to y'all now. I mean, very clearly, this game was personal to Colorado State. This game was personal for Colorado State long before it was personal for Deion Sanders. Oh, and, oh, 100%. And they played like it. You know, Colorado State probably played the best game they're going to play all season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some of those penalties were like, man, what are you doing there, man? Like some of like, the Camara stuff, like the, the rough in the passer. I mean, that was terrible. I don't... I, I, I don't like that being targeting, but that's what the rules are. Uh, now, I will say, though, there was that one play when the quarterback, he runs out, he gets a touchdown, and then the receiver throws like a block, and they like, no, that's coming back. That was not no blindside block. That was, that, that, a block like that happens 100 times a game. Every time, any, any time a running back or a quarterback, you know, gets out of the pocket or running back breaks off a tackle or something, and he gets past the line of scrimmage, the receiver's going to usually hit the corner and knock him down, and they're never going to call that. And I don't know why they called it this game, but as what happened, you know, Colorado showed up big time. Shador Sanders, he's not my Heisman favorite, but he's up there. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, he looks really good. And I think if he has the same stats as the next best guy or close to it, I do think they're going to give it to him just because, you know, the name, everything surrounding the program and stuff Which like that. Which is sad but. because my favorite, okay, is, did outplay him this week. Not to say that Shador Sanders didn't play. Does this, so, wait, I, mean, wait, I just want to take a guess. Does this person have a type of energy? He, he just might. He just might. Can you I tell think. me what type of energy this person has? He's got... Some big Penix energy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing crazy. He's got like thirteen hundred yards and I think eleven or twelve touchdowns. It's absolutely insane. He's playing great, and you know, 
I guess two games again. Just be real quick with them. Washington absolute dominant win. I mean, yeah. you know, a team without a head coach in Michigan State, you didn't expect much, but I mean, that game was insane. Especially, um, also, uh, the reports now, Mel Tucker has been fired with calls. Um, ah, so, I see. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm not going to lie. Um, and one last thing. One last thing. I bring up James Madison University. They are three and zero, baby. JMU. Let's go, Dukes. They went on the road. They beat Troy. And that was a tough game. I'm not going to lie. And uh, to all of the, the Troy fans listening, probably, you're probably not, though. I don't think they have internet in Troy, Alabama. So uh, I don't have to worry about the um, oh, getting upset or anything like that. Uh, all the trash talking you did on the sideline to all the players and the coaches, uh, I think we know now who the who the real Sun Belt champions are. Uh, yeah, so... Sucks to suck, Troy, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video on Twitter or not, but uh, it was some, like, um, Troy fan who was real crying, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, recording a video of how, the, like, the Troy uh, student section was talking trash to the JMU players and coaches all game long. And then once JMU beat them... Um, they started talking trash back, and you know and that's the thing that my parents taught me from a, a very young age. They said, "If you, if you're gonna dish it, you got to be able to take it." And it seems like the Troy fans could not take it. Uh, enough of that. No, yeah, I'd um, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I didn't watch too much closely into that game, but from what you tell me, Jamie, you got the job done. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd uh, I'd like to start off. Our segment overreaction or just about right with a little bit of um a little bit of an interesting question. Overreaction or just about right? LSU is still a contender for the playoff. Um if they play like they did yesterday or Saturday. I think that's just about right. They looked amazing. Jaden Daniels was looking was playing amazing. Uh Malik Neighbors is, in my opinion, the second best receiver in college football. Um he looked amazing. They're they're in front, you know, seven is ridiculous. I mean, Mason Smith, I believe yeah. Uh he was a big loss for LSU in that game against Florida State. Uh and he was a real difference maker. Uh, just the, that, the whole defensive line is really good. And from what I saw, because I watched some of it, I, there was a part of it where it's like, oh, man, this, yeah, this is out of hand right now. I mean, I went back and obviously watched some stuff. But, I mean, Harold Perkins, you know, he had a sack and he had two tackles for a loss. Um, you know, I don't know what is – it's very weird that they're how they've been using Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins can play – like in the passing game as like a, you know, guarding a tight end or something like that. He's good at that. He is a all American as a pass rusher. They need to let him pass rush. They let him pass rush today for the most part against Mississippi state on Saturday. Um, and you know, he was a lot more successful and they need to let him do that more often. 
But yeah, I think LSU, with how just college football looks right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs. I did have them as a playoff team to start the year, so I don't think it's too much of an overreaction. All right, fair enough. Moving on, Carson Beck proved why he is the guy, Georgia quarterback. Overreaction, just about right. Um, it was definitely an overreaction in my opinion. Uh, I like Carson Beck. I do. I frankly have not liked, especially in that first half, but overall, I've not particularly liked how Georgia has used Carson Beck. Uh, I mean, he was 27 of 35, 269 yards, no touchdowns, but he did lead some touchdown drives. Um, he looked good in the second half. And he, I thought he looked pretty decent in the first half, too. I mean, that's just what it was. Uh, you know, Georgia goes down, gets a field goal. Um, they punt. They miss a field goal. And, um, or no, you, you had a drive where you make a field goal. They miss a field goal. Uh, they punt. And then it was halftime, which, you know, there was four drive. They got four offensive possessions in the first half, which, again, this was one of the more extreme versions I saw this week of we had more uh, commercials than college football, which needs to get fixed. Uh, but I just not yeah. liked how Carson Beck has been used. Carson Beck is a pocket passer with a big arm. They need to let him throw it deep. We have not opened up the playbook really at all, all season long. And I want to see us do it more often because the reason why you choose Beck is because of his ability to read down the field and his, you know, his arm. And Brock Vandergriff, you know, doesn't have, like, he doesn't read the field as well. He's got a similar arm, but he's a really good athlete. And Gunnar Stockton is a really good, is the m- most mobile of the quarterbacks. You know, he, that's what you would think if you're going to just every play just check it down and tunnel screens and, you know, just different wide receiver screens and all that stuff. And I, I just want to see us open up the offense. I think that's the big thing with Georgia moving forward. I want to see. So, um, I don't know. I, I thought Carson Beck looked fine. I think it's an overreaction to say he is uh, the guy for the offense, hundred yeah. percent. All right. I um, I have I have a little bit of an interesting one. Um, okay. Overreaction, or just about right, from what we've seen so far, Notre Dame will win both of their games against Ohio State and USC. I know that's a bold take, but I just I just want to say, knowing what we've seen from both teams, overreaction or just about right. Um, and I'm not asking. Can Notre Dame? I'm saying, will Notre Dame beat both USC and Ohio State? I'm going to say that's an overreaction. They definitely can. I don't think they will. I think they'll probably split the series, most likely. I think splitting it definitely has a really good chance of happening. Um, however, I can definitely see the blueprint of happening. You know, I said this back in week zero. And it's 100% true. Audrick's team is on pace for well over 1,000 yards now. And I, I thought he looked really good in week zero. And he's 
continued to look really good. I mean, 521 yards, five touchdowns, but I think the biggest one, 8.3 yards per carry. I mean, that's ba- that you know the ability to start every da- like on every every time you hand it off to him, and it's first down, first and ten, hand it off to him, second and second. I mean, if you are constantly getting second and second, second and first, second and third, you're going to win a lot of games. I think that would be the big way that they end up winning it. Sam Hartman looked really good, sure against Central Michigan, but 330 yards and three touchdowns. Um, yeah, I think. Notre Dame definitely has a chance to beat Ohio State and USC. Um, but I don't think they will beat both of them. I think they'll split the series. Okay. Um, I, I personally disagree with that. You know, I think okay. Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame, this is Notre Dame's year to make the playoff. I don't want to say they'll win it, but besides those two games, the only other real competition, you know, I think Duke's going to give them a run for their money, but. I really like yeah. the, the schedule they have, not having to play in the conference championship, and I just think they just look so good this year. I love seeing Sam Hartman in a traditional offense. I did not, I, even though I liked watching as good as he did, I hated the way that Wake Forest kind of just like restricted him with the way they ran their offense. But um, yeah, it was very moving on. Very this odd. is um, this is the last one we have for the segment okay. today, and it's a little bit of a spicy one. Overreaction or just about right? Washington is the best team in the Pac-12. Um, I think that's just about right. I don't know if I would have them as the team, but for me right now, it feels like a 1A, 1B situation. And if I think it's 1A, 1B, then to say Washington is the best team in the Pac-12 is not an overreaction. It's a fair statement. I mean, I think right now Michael Penix Jr. and Caleb Williams are playing at the same level. Sure, maybe talent-wise, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, Michael Penix is playing at the same level as Caleb Williams is. And I don't know if their offense as a whole is as good as uh, USC's. And I think Caleb Williams, in a big-time game, probably has the chance to take it to a higher level than Michael Penix does. But, I mean, on defense, Washington is no slouch. You know, and USC is kind of just been like Bear Alexander, who's playing much better. Uh, this was the Bear Alexander that I wanted Georgia to have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Washington Huskies are playing really good. They, I feel like people are sleeping on them. I've seen that a lot though on like online and stuff like that, and it kind of feels like there's more people saying you need to stop sleeping on Washington than there are people sleeping on Washington kind of at this point in time. Uh, if that that's kind of weird, but you know, think about it, kind of makes sense. But um, and also outside of Michael Penix Jr., who's played really good, I mean, Washington, like obviously Ohio State's receiving room is really good. Obviously Texas's. I think Washington might have the best receiving room in college football right now. I mean, they genuinely might end up having three thousand yard receivers right now. Oh with yeah, all of them it, putting it up. Be crazy. I mean, with how much yards and how accurate Penix has been, I, I honestly, I mean, I'd be shocked, but I could honestly see at least two of them doing it. Yeah, uh, Roma de, what's his name? Rome Adizuna. I don't remember how oh, he's he his last name. He's, crazy. he's a beast. He's got four hundred nineteen yards already. 
uh, Jalen and McMillan is a beast. Uh, and then, oh, Jalen Polk. Uh, he has looked quite nice as well. Uh, yeah, Washington has something special. Uh, they are a really good team. They play USC. Uh, when is that? That's November 4th at USC. Uh, that was going to be a big game. So, I don't know if I'd have Washington higher than USC right now. I don't think it's an overreaction to say Washington's better. Oh, oh yeah. I, I personally think, just because of how well their defense is playing, I would put Washington over a little bit. But USC's defense has played pretty decent this year, besides that San Jose State game. So, you know, interesting for both programs. I think the Pac-12 is undoubtedly the best conference, at least this year. You know, they're performing they're at a very right. high level. They're playing it, like it right now. Exactly, again, at least this early. Um, but yeah, I actually think that, you know, moves us really well into our last segment, which is too much or not enough. And, you know, which I think... Part, speaking about San Jose State, they played, I think, what was it? I don't know. They played Toledo. I don't believe was it this week or last? Yeah, it was this week, and uh, they did end up losing twenty-one seventeen because Toledo is a really good uh, group of five team. But the big thing is uh, the people at USC are wondering how in the world did a team hold San Jose State to seventeen points? That that's the crazy thing. They don't know how they did it. So yeah, uh, um, it's a miracle. For the first time ever in this segment. I want to start it off with a team that is not even in the top 25. And I don't even know if I really need to ask the question, but too much or not enough, Missouri. I mean, Michael, how are they not ranked? How are you going to put a one-loss Florida team at number 25? Yes, they beat Tennessee. They beat a good team. Missouri's undefeated and just beat Kansas State. How on earth did the committee get this so wrong? Um... Yeah, I don't know. Um, Missouri should be in the top 25. Simple as that. They look better than... I mean, how is Tennessee still on there? But no, Missouri. I, that, yeah, I just don't. that simple. I, like, it doesn't make sense. That, and then, and Missouri then here's the is the top 25. You have ten, you, you, okay, take away Missouri not being on there. How do you have Tennessee above Florida who just got curb stomp by florida yes the score was 29 to 16 florida dominated that entire game you can say oh my gosh well tennessee has a better roster maybe they have more potential than florida florida just beat them do games not matter at all anymore like i'm so confused by this like this was a huge miss by the committee overall yeah it was very odd i like sometimes you'll see like a team be ranked higher than another team uh and I'll be like, what? But they just play. And they'll, oh, they're like, oh, well, they have this game to uh, rely, go back on. Like, if, um, so, like, that would usually happen. Tennessee hasn't played anyone. They've played UVA, and they played Austin Pay, and they didn't look too good in either. I was about to say, they did not look good in either of those games. And they didn't even look good, really, in the end of that Virginia game. Like, their defense was the only thing that made those, you know, games look so big in the sense of how much Tennessee won by, but Joe Millen has not looked good. I mean, I just don't understand 
let alone for what reason you would keep Tennessee in, but to put them above Florida and to not put Missouri in, you know, I think that's blasphemous, especially for a program like Missouri that's not going to be here often. I mean, you can't even guarantee they're going to win this next week. I think they are. I think they're going to win their next two weeks until they play LSU. But it's just disrespectful. I, I, I was shocked by it. But, um, yeah, the community needs to do better when it comes to that. Um, keeping it in the same swing of things so we don't have to come back to this because we're talking about it. Too much or not enough, Tennessee, not enough. Why are you keeping them in the rankings? Like, yeah. what have they shown us in any game that has shown they deserve a spot? I don't even have Tennessee in my top 30. I mean, they did not show any spark of anything besides that first touchdown drive against Florida. Their defense has looked pretty good. I'll give them that. Their running game's been decent. They didn't even really get the jobs done that much versus Virginia or Austin P. Like, Austin P kept it close for that entire first half. Milton's just trying to do too much with the ball. You know, we've already talked about a lot of Tennessee's flaws, but definitely not enough. I don't even know how you still have a team like Tennessee still in there. Yeah, it was very odd. Uh, they definitely do not deserve to be in that uh, top 25, in my opinion. They just haven't looked like it. I feel like they're only there because of preseason rankings. We're three weeks in, you know. Those don't really matter that much anymore. Exactly. Like, if you're still ranking teams on potential compared to results, you're doing it wrong. And I would think the committee would be better than that. Again, completely take out Missouri. How do you put Tennessee for? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But moving on to a team that doesn't have so much controversy around them as much as those teams did. But a team, I'm interested to see your thoughts on this. But too much or not enough. I want to see your thoughts first. Michael, I'm talking about Oklahoma. Um, I don't think it's enough. Oklahoma, uh, um, in three weeks have looked like one of the best teams in the nation, in my opinion. They're definitely at least top 15. Um, simply put, Oklahoma has looked quite nice. I mean, sure, it's against Tulsa, but 66 to 17 is ridiculous. You beat anyone, you score 66 points against anyone. That's a good week. I mean, that's hard to do. Then at any level, scoring sixty-six points is ridiculous. Um, you know, sure you might say, "Well, I'd like to see him play against someone better," and they played against SMU, and maybe the score wasn't as much as what you hoped for. But, um, you know, SMU is a good team. They just beat. Now they they beat a school sixty nine to nothing FCS school sure I mean, some people some people were predicting SMU to cover the spread in that game like as good as Oklahoma looked in week one and Oklahoma dominated like there was like I I think the disrespect is carrying over a little bit from last year from this Oklahoma team but if you look at how they're playing versus teams you know they're gonna win against they're playing angry and I love it like I I also agree with you not not enough I don't want to say where I have them on the rankings but. Not close to enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. All right, um, moving on to our next team. This is going to be... I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Let's just talk about it. Florida State, too much or not enough. I'm going to start us off. Not uh-huh. enough. You know, you when you think of playoff, you think of teams that have played insane this year. 
in every game. And yes, you can hold them to that standard because a lot of teams are undefeated this year. A lot of teams are playing good. As good as Florida State looked versus LSU, you cannot have a performance like that against Boston College. With Without those penalty yards, Florida State might not even be undefeated right now. You know, yeah, and a real chance of that happening. Exactly. And I, I definitely think it's not enough. I actually think it's another huge miss by the committee. You can say it's minor. I think it's a huge miss. I don't even think they should be in the top six right now. Like, okay, I wouldn't go that far. Though. No, no, I'm going to go that far. I mean, you look at the way other teams are playing. How do you how do you still have them for? Like, it was just shocking to me. I mean, I, I sort of hear it from, from the way you reacted right there, but what are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's too much or not enough? Um, If I go off of my rankings, you know, I, I only had them dropping a spot. I, I got them at three still. Um, to spoil my top 25, and I understand what you're coming from, and you know, where you're coming from, and, you know, they definitely did not look good last week. They looked quite bad. But don't think that loss to LSU can be understated. That was a really good win. Um, yeah, them beating LSU was huge. Um, I think that's right now the best win in college football. You know, was it on a neutral site? Sure. In your home state? Sure. But... As more and more it happens, uh, Texas's win over Alabama looks worse. Um, Texas does not, you know, look better than, I mean, like Alabama's getting worse and worse every week, so that win doesn't look better. And I don't think Texas played nearly good enough, for my opinion, to put them over. They were tied 10-10 against Wyoming, which I did say is potential. Wyoming is not nearly, you know, they're, they're a good team. They're a pretty good group of five team, and they played Texas really strong. Now, sure, did Texas pull away in the fourth quarter? Yes. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, But Texas it took three show, quarters to do it. Just, okay, here's the thing. You can say, oh, the three-quarter excuse. Texas showed what type of team they were in that fourth quarter. When did Florida State do that the entire game, besides maybe the first and second quarter? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I honestly I'm, not, I'm, not defend, I'm not defending this the win. It was a very bad win. It was a horrible win. Um, but I, I just don't know if, you know, their full body of work, which isn't much, it's only three weeks, obviously, but I think they've done it more than Texas. Now, granted, hey, Florida State plays Clemson next week, so I, I don't think it really matters when, you know, this week, if they go out and they beat Clemson, then, well, none of it, none of it about Boston College really matters anymore. They just went hey, out right. and beat Clemson hey, at yeah. home. You know, so, yeah, I think that's a big thing. I, I guess I'd have it uh, a little too much. I don't have Florida State at four. I think Florida State um, overall is a better than Texas now. So, yeah, I guess I have uh, not enough. Or, not, or, excuse me, too much. Very interesting. I, I was not expecting that. But, hey, you know what? Everyone's entitled to their opinion, even <laughs> even if yours is wrong. I, oh, okay. okay, well, it's okay. Simmer down now. Um, you know, uh, moving on, um, there wasn't, you know, there was a lot of teams that moved up just because some at the latter end lost, but I guess the final one I kind of want to look at, too much or not enough, Iowa, and, you know, I think they're really interesting this year. They have a big game against Penn State, you know, it's the whiteout game, it's going to be a really hard atmosphere, and Cade McNamara looked good, not great. But you only need a subpar offense with how good Iowa's defense has been these last couple of years. 
you know, it's 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 a game that definitely I'm gonna be watching, and you know, I could see an upset happening. You know, if Cade McNamara can play, you know, his best game of the season, which you know, for for all we know, could happen. And to see him behind a team like Tennessee, like Michael, I'm interested to see. You know, what you think? Do you think it was too much or not enough having him at 24? Uh, not enough. I mean, I've been decently high on Iowa these last few uh, top 25s. Um, yeah, I have Iowa a lot higher than 24. Uh, I mean, it's a modern miracle that they scored 41 points. Uh, they did have that one score near the end of the game. Uh, it was, I believe, like they scored real late. Uh, they're trying, you know, because they're trying to keep Brian Ferentz's job alive, you know, because he's got to average 25 points a game. And, you know, they weren't close to that, really. I mean, uh, first two weeks, they scored 24 and 20 points, respectively. Um, so this week, with 30 seconds left, they go and get a touchdown. So uh, Iowa gets up to 41, and, you know, maybe Brian Ferentz ends up keeping his job. I don't know. I mean, 41 points. I mean, that's got to be like a, a record in the Brian Ferentz record or something like that. <laughs> yeah, was, I don't it know, was but good to see Iowa have a scoring game. You know, it was it was crazy. You know, I was talking about before the the game even started. I was like talking to my buddy. I was like, you know, I was favored by 28. Obviously, you know, picked the other team to cover, and you know, I did. And to my surprise. Them and Ole Miss had some of the most disgusting backdoor covers I've ever seen that were very unnecessary. I mean, Iowa did theirs on a fourth down. Again, I, I understand it more from Iowa's perspective. I mean, you know, a team that really can't score wants to prove a point to the nation. Mm-hmm. I understand it, but Ole Miss too. They were just some some crazy backdoor covers. But yeah, I don't I don't think I was getting the um, respect they deserve. And I think it's going to be an interesting game versus Penn State. Um, yeah. Wrapping things up, Michael, it's time for um it's time for us to reveal our revitalized top twenty fives after week three. And I just Hold wanna on, say are we people... gonna shout out our sponsor? I don't know if we've done that. Oh oh shoot. Shoot, you're right. We need to um TVG's we need to once again thank the sponsor of this episode. Appliance Outlet. A family owned appliance store in the Roanoke area. You know, great service, great products. Michael, what do you have to say about about the culture that this business brings to this podcast and the people they serve? Uh, you know, there are a lot of hardworking people <laughs> at uh, Flying Salad uh, that get the job done. And they're very, you know, very reliable. Some of the best in the Roanoke area. So if you are looking for any appliance, uh, any store to serve your appliance needs, go to Appliance Outlet off of Hershberger. Uh, yeah, Appliance Absolutely. Outlet. Absolutely. And, and we want to thank them for sponsoring us. Absolutely. And this, you know what, this, this next segment, our last segment, is sponsored by Appliance Outlet as well. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is me and Michael's revitalized top 25s and you know people that listened to the episode last week could have saw you know michael gave some in-depth depth definitions as to why his teams were moved up or down until we didn't really well last week 
you know, going into a week like this, I kind of, I kind of let the rankings speak for themselves, you know. But after this week, oh, I have my descriptions, and I have some very bold opinions and takes. And for that reason, Michael, I'm gonna let you go first. So, Michael, what, right. is, uh, what is your revitalized top 25? All right, yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right, at number 25, I have, I guess you'd say America's thing, I don't know, uh, the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, I have them dropping down two spots. Short, a rivalry game, yes, but you are a 24-point favorite, and you had to go to double overtime, and there was some call, all, whatever. The point, and you lose Travis Hunter, okay? Uh, you know, maybe... Colorado is not a top 25 team in the actuality. We'll see this week against Oregon and Bo Nix. But, you know, and I don't know if Colorado is good or not. I don't know. I'm not going to drop them out of the top 25 or whatever. Uh, but they're entertaining, to say the least. They're a very entertaining team. And Shador Sanders is him. At 24, dropping down 13 spots, I have Kansas State. I still think Kansas State's a top 25 team. Maybe it's because they're so high on them. I I think Kansas State will bounce back, and simply put, I think they'll be fine. Uh, at 23, I have Missouri. Uh, they should have been in the top 25 in the AP poll. Um, Missouri looked like a top 25 team this week. Uh, Brady Cook played really good. Um, Luther Burden is really good. So, yeah, I think I have, yeah, uh, Missouri at 23. At tw- two, up three spots, I have UCLA. Um, who they? I forgot who they played. There's some uh, FCS team, uh, NC Central. Nothing crazy. Definitely not. You know, obviously some that go up three spots, which is how everything else fell. Like people like Tennessee, like Colorado, like Kansas State, have them up, moving up three spots. So yeah, um, at twenty one, up three spots as well. I have Washington State. Uh, you know, last week I had them under Colorado, but, you know, when two teams play the same opponent and one team played them better, you know, simple as that. Washington State gets up higher. At 20, I have Iowa up two spots. Their defense is legit. If they can score like 30 points a game, watch out. They will win the Big Ten West if they can. At 19, I have Miami up two spots. Um... Did they play a good team? No, Bethune Cookman. But um, they look good doing it. And with how teams struggled this week, uh, 48-7 with a touchdown in the fourth quarter from Bethune Cookman, uh, what more can you ask for? Um, at 18, I have Duke up two spots. They played Northwestern. Not a good team, but they blew them out and in. So all you can really ask for at 17, up one spot, I had North Carolina. They get, beat a decent uh, Minnesota team, but yeah, that game was not particularly close. North Carolina looked quite good. At 16, down four spots, I have the Alabama Crimson Tide. They keep on falling down my pole. They just don't look that good. Uh, they have a lot of talent. Their defense is really good. I don't know how they score points. Um, their offense kind of looks like Iowa's right now. <laughs> Uh, at 15, I have Ole Miss up three spots. Jackson Dart looks really good right now. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that was a game that some people thought, you know, would be a lot closer than they, you know, 
than it really was against Georgia Tech and Ole Miss showed out big time. At 14, I have Oregon State up two spots. It didn't look amazing against San Diego State. It was probably uh, DJ Uyongle's worst game. But, you know, again, just how everything on the poll fell, I have them up two spots. And also, I mean, if they get an extra point for letting an offensive lineman score a touchdown, man. I mean, I, I know for a fact every offensive lineman dreams of that. Uh, so, yeah. At 13, up six spots, I have Oklahoma. I had to do like a relook at Oklahoma, and, and they look really good. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is a really talented quarterback. Uh, yeah, that Oklahoma team is really good. Uh, so yeah, at 12, I have Utah up one spot. Um, who'd they play? Weber State. Again, nothing special. Weber State's not, you know, they're an FCS team, but, uh, they finally let Nate Johnson be the starting quarterback. Because uh, they've been splitting it with the other guy. Nate Johnson was the guy that they bring in to run like the RPOs and st- or like the, the triple option and all that stuff. And he just looked better than the other guy, and he was a starter. That being said, though, uh, when's Cam Rising coming back? That's the thing people are asking. It better be this week. It better be yeah. this week, or they're in trouble. Yeah. At 11, I have LSU up three spots. Um, sure, they do have a loss, and there's a. They're above a lot, a lot of um, teams with no losses. But LSU looked really good against Mississippi State. They are something special. At ten, I have Oregon staying where they are. Um, yep. Uh, who they play? Who they play? Oh, they play Hawaii. I forgot. Sorry. Uh, again, not a good team, but they blew them out. Again, that's all you can ask for a team. Um, at nine, I have Notre Dame. They played against Central Michigan. They look quite good. Uh, they got a big test this week coming up against Ohio State. That's going to be a good one. At eight, down one spot, not because of anything they did, but what other teams did. I have Washington at eight. I mean, not Washington, excuse me, Ohio State at eight. They blew out um, oh, Western Kentucky. You know, nothing crazy, but, uh, yeah, I have them dropping down one spot because the other team, Washington, at seven, jumps up over them. Uh, Washington looked really good this week against a Michigan State team. that Not very good, but, man, Michael Penix Jr. looks amazing. I, again, he's my Heisman favorite this week, uh, this uh, so far, throughout, through three weeks. Uh, uh, it would be very cool to see him win. Um, so, all the people that were saying – over the offseason now, it's too high on Michael Penix and that it was a fluke. Uh, I don't think they're saying that anymore. They're not saying it anymore. At six, I have USC staying where they are. At five, I have Penn State. The drawler looked uh, good this week. No, it was definitely his worst week. They beat an Illinois team by a good deal. Um, I think they'll be fine. They got to work on that drop problem, though. They had that. At four, I have Texas staying where they are. Um, you know, simply put, uh, they didn't look good against Wyoming, but they popped off in the fourth quarter. Uh, so they end up winning the game, but yeah, it could have been iffy. Um, definitely hungover from beating Alabama. Um, at three, I have Florida State down one point. As you pointed out, that Boston College law, you know, game could have been a loss, and they probably should have lost. They played like they uh, 
could lose. And again, with Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Texas, Penn State, all of them played like they could lose, and Colorado. But as what I said all last week, good teams find ways to win, and they found ways to win, even if it was on the other team kind of letting them win for the case of Florida State. So, I mean, I understand why Toby would have them lower, but that LSU win just got a little bit better. Um, at two, up one spot, I have Michigan. Um, Michigan didn't look too good against Bowling Green, who's not that good. 14-6 at halftime. Then they started pulling away once very clearly Michigan has more talent than Bowling Green. Uh, so, yeah. And Georgia, staying at number one. I am surprised of that, to be honest. Um, watching the game, especially at halftime, I thought, yeah, Georgia's going to drop even if they win this game. And I thought they were going to still win it. But uh, I came out of the game saying, you know, Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation. First half, horrible. Second half, uh, they looked like a really good team. They kind of shut down that South Carolina team where Spencer Rattler was playing really good. Uh, but none of the other teams looked any better than Georgia. So they stay number one for this week. So yeah, that's my top twenty-five, Toby. All right. Um, you know, I respect that list. It's a good list. Okay. Mine, mine alters a little bit near the top, but not too much. Um, number twenty-five, a team that I think people are sleeping on a little bit, with two big games mm-hmm. in the next coming week. I have Kansas. You know, they finally got their starting guy back in Jaden Daniels. He's playing good. They play a BYU team this week that I think is a very interesting matchup. You know, one of the best non-ranked matchups of this week in a week with so many good games. And if they win that game, they're going to be playing Texas 4-0. So that's a team to look at. You know, offense is looking great. Moving on to 24, Missouri. I mean, talked about them a lot. Great win versus Kansas State. You know, what a kick. The team's The team's trending in the right direction. I hope they can stay poised and win their next two games. And then um, we'll see how they play against LSU. 23, I have Iowa. I know I was talking about, you know, I didn't think they moved up enough. I, I It might just be one spot. But either way, I think the Iowa team this year is playing really well. They actually have somewhat of an offense. I think Cade McNamara needs to be a little bit more decisive with the ball. You know, I haven't liked where he went with it all the time. But per usual, the Iowa defense is looking great. And um, their first real test will be Penn State. Moving on to 22, I have Colorado. Um, Scary game for them. Really hurts losing Travis Hunter. Can't really think of too many ways they're going to beat Oregon this week. However, you know, coming out as a 21-point dog, I think it's a little bit crazy. But uh, we'll see how that game pans out. 21, I have UCLA. They've looked really good this year. This Utah game is going to be really interesting. You know, I don't know why we wouldn't have Cam Rising playing, but if we don't, I'm going to favor UCLA. And I think even if Cam Rising does, it's going to be a shootout, and I'm excited for it. Uh, moving on to 20, I have Washington State. Cameron Ward's playing great this year. If I'm not mistaken, Michael, I think they play Oregon State this week. It's going to... They um, do. It's going to be a really Pullman, good game. In Pullman, Washington. Pullman. You know, exactly. It's. I, I, I'm not going to reveal who I have. You know, winning this game, but um, mainly because we're gonna actually post our first betting episode this week. We're gonna have enough yeah. time to, to make it, and um, it's gonna be great. Uh-huh. So, you know, big things ahead for Washington State and Cameron Ward. 
At 19, I have Miami, you know, moving up a little bit. You know, some teams stayed the same. They didn't have anything crazy this week. You know, they blew out a team they should in Bethune-Cookman. And uh, Tyler Van Dyke looks like the prospect he was hyped up to be. Um, moving on to 18, some shaky play from Drake May. But UNC, um, he definitely has the interception fever to start the year. Not what you want to see from a guy like Drake May. However, all of them aren't his fault. Some tip balls, especially in the South Carolina game. But they're undefeated. Can't You can't really put them anywhere else. At 17, you have Duke. Riley Leonard is the weird deal. And I um, I think they have a chance at winning the ACC this year. I'm going to go out and say it. I don't think they will. But um, kind of shocking what they've done this year. However, if you knew about Riley Leonard going into this year, a lot of this doesn't shock you. Um, on to 16. Washington State's opponent, Oregon State. Like you said earlier, Michael, DJ probably had his worst game of the year, but this offensive line is absolutely insane, and I actually think that could be the difference versus Washington State. Can Washington State put pressure on DJ? Can they stop the run game, which is great for Oregon State? Um, It's going to be a fun game to watch. At 15, I have Alabama. You know, there's not too much to say. They looked awful versus South Florida. Not one thing I'd want to take away from that game was good, except for the fact that they won the game. A lot needs to be improved. I think putting Milrow back at quarterback is going to um, be a big improvement for Bama. At 14, their opponent this week, I have Ole Miss. I do think Ole Miss is going to win this game. Jackson Dart is playing best football of his entire life. I mean, it's crazy. Wide receiving core is looking good. Defense is looking good. and um. Yeah, they're looking really good this year. At 13, I have Utah. The team is so good. It's so balanced. The defense and offense complement each other really well. But without Cam Rising, they're not going to win in a really good Pac-12. So I really think he needs to come back this week. I don't even care if they think they need him versus UCLA. He has to get some reps under his belt. I know he's probably playing some in practice. But if they want to take a shot, I think this would be their third straight Pac-12 championship. He needs to start playing. Um, at number 12, I have the LSU Tigers. Huge win versus Mississippi State. Really showing the potential of this team. The team we thought we were going to see against Florida State. You know, Jalen Daniels, I mean, that's the best game of his career. He looked absolutely insane. He he really showed that he can be a passer first, which a lot of people, you know, talk about how good his running his ability is compared to the passing. And, you know, Malik Neighbors. You definitely see, um, you definitely see the connection between those two. Yeah, you're, you're probably you're probably shocked to see me put them in front of LSU, but I have the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma, <laughs> I mean, they look as good as any team in the nation this year, and I mean any team. I mean, they're absolutely insane. I can't wait for them to have a test. I can't wait for the Red River Showdown. I mean, when they play Texas in a couple of weeks, it's going to be an insane game. The Dylan Gabriel show is here. He's insane. You know, what could have happened last year if he didn't get injured for a good amount of those games? We don't know. Love the bounce back year for Venables. Um, Oklahoma's dangerous this year. At number 10, I have Oregon. You know, Bo Nix looks great. You know, big Texas Tech win last week. Besides that, they haven't had a huge amount of competition, but Colorado this week. You know, he's not going to have a hard defense to play against, but it's, it's going to be a, a tough game, and I'm interested to see how they play in it. I do have them winning, but um, we'll see how it goes. At number nine, I have Notre Dame. 
you know, Sam Hartman. I'm going to say it right now. He is my Heisman favorite as of right now. Mm. Sam Hartman looks insane. And again, if you put the stats up against, you know, some of the other Heisman guys, obviously he's not going to be one or two, maybe three or four. But as as from what I've seen, I mean, and just knowing what he's going to do in the coming weeks, it's, I just can't wait for everyone to see how good he is, especially against a defense like Ohio State, which I think he's going to torch. Um, and Audrick Esteem. Oh my gosh. Mm. One of the best running backs in the nation this year. Kind of came out of nowhere on my radar. Um, playing pretty well. At eight, I have Penn State. Not too much to say about them. You know, their, their offense looks shaky. But again, Drew Aller playing against a Big Ten opponent. One of the first ones of the year. You know, you kind of expect a couple of these growing pains. The real scary thing was, you know, the running game. Nick Singleton not really getting going, you know. But again, the defense looked great. Kind of wish Illinois had a competent quarterback, so it could have been a closer game. But um, yeah. At number seven, I have Florida State Seminoles. Mm. Absolutely disgusting performance versus Boston College. A game I'm not even gonna say should. Game they would have lost if it weren't for even half of those penalties being taken away. You know, with the face mask at the end, it's inexcusable. You know, you can't even question a penalty like that. Because it's a face mask. And you, you can you can blatantly see it. It's not like a pass interference or something where you could be like, you know, if, and, or, but. But you can't deny how good they are. You can't deny how they played versus LSU. You know, these rankings updating every week, you know, you can have a team that have the best win in college football and as dominant as they were versus LSU. But you have to look at them for what they are after the week they just played. And you know what? I still think they're an insane team. I still think they have playoff aspirations. But for this week, I do have them at seven. At number six, I have Ohio State. Yes, they don't play a good team in Western Kentucky, but Kyle McCord looked good. You know, that might have been the tune-up game he really needed before this Notre Dame game. Now, he's actually going to be playing, you know, a good Notre Dame defense, which he hasn't really played besides, you know, the Indiana game, which he was very shaky in. But um, I'm very interested to see how he handles his first big test. And once again, Marvin Harrison showing why he's the best wide receiver in the nation. Insane game from him. Moving on to five, my boldest take, my strongest take, I have Washington. I mean, and it's not even really because of the offense. That defense, say what you want about Michigan State. Obviously losing your coach, you know, awful hard thing to do. But a, a school like Michigan getting shut out, I mean, they got outgained by more than 200 yards in the first half. 35 nothing, absolute dominance. It's only up from here. Washington, I think I think they're my Pac-12 favorites as of right now. Um, hey, if they're your favorites right now, I'm looking at the line on Caesar Sportsbook, Washington, plus 400 to win the Pac-12. They're third right now. See, you know, know. It's, it's, it's sad to say that I want to wait to see how games play out, but the Pac-12 was one I'm not going to bet on that this entire year because... I mean, most of the Pac-12 teams going through each other, I mean, it's you really never know what's going to happen. Any team could lose to any team at any time, Pac-12. Yeah, it's, it's definitely I mean, when you one have of teams, the closest conferences in a long time. Oh, I don't even think it's one of. I think it is the closest conference, like, looking into the season ahead in, like, the past five years. I mean, the fact that... Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Utah, USC, all of them are going to have to play each other at some point. 
and they're all top 50. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it, it's unbelievable to see just the caliber of talent there. But moving on to another Pac-12 team. At number four, I have USC. You know, bye week this week, you know, it might be a little shocking to see them move up. But Caleb Williams is him. You know, this offense looks almost unguardable, you know. And until, you know, you can see anyone sort of even come close to stopping that offense, which, again, with the caliber of competition they've had, no one expects them to, you know, be stopped. But with with the better tackling this defense has shown, and, again, this defense doesn't have to be great, USC is looking great, and I do have them at number four right now. At number three, I have Texas, you know. Shaky start, but Wyoming is not a bad team. They beat Texas Tech, which, Michael, everyone knows you're very high on them. And Wyoming's mm-hmm. a good football team. I don't like how it was 10-10 going into the fourth, but Texas showed who they were, unlike Florida State, put a beating on 131-10. to I was happy yeah. with how they finished out that game, which for Texas, closing out games has not been um, a very easy thing for them to do. So it was not nice at all. put up 21-point quarters against them and Alabama the week before. So two things that are very good to see if you're a Texas fan. At number two, I have Michigan. I actually don't have anything good to say about Michigan. I just have them at two because, you know, their team's dominated. But J.J. McCarthy throwing three interceptions against Bowling Green. I mean, this is the worst nightmare for Michigan. You know, you want J.J. McCarthy to be dependable when you can't run the game away with your running backs. and. You know what? Versus good competition, he showed he has been good, but you can't do that against Bowling Green. I don't care if you have a lot of margin for error. I just, that's unbelievable. And then number one, Georgia. You know, they got it done versus South Carolina. It was very sad to see. But, you know, <laughs> they got it done. Yeah. I just, I don't even want to talk about Georgia because I, I had, I had $5 on South Carolina, and it would have paid out 115, you know, and it was sad because I had so much hope. Michael knows I was going crazy on my Snapchat, and then South Carolina just came out flat, and Georgia did what they had to do. So all the credit in the world, Kirby had a good halftime speech, and they came out with the needed adjustment. But um, but yeah, that's it for my top 25. Um, yeah. Michael, I uh, I liked yours. A lot of um. Thank you. I liked yours too. A lot of, lot of interesting takes. You know, I, I'm very high on Oklahoma and Washington after this week. And finally, right before we end, I would just like to say that if you love his college football as much as we do, or if you're just a casual fan, this Saturday is going to be one of the best days of the year. I mean, yeah. insane ranked games, insane unranked games. I mean, just a couple of them. Iowa, Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Alabama, Washington State, Oregon State. And again, that's just that's just a few. And that, that 3.30 slate, oh. Oh, my gosh. Mm. It's insane. I mean, it is Licking my lips. crazy. And again, I, I didn't even talk about Colorado, Oregon, or UCLA, Utah. This this is stacked. Or, or sorry, sorry, Clemson, Florida State. And, again, I want to say a game that's not on people's radars. Michael, you might think I'm crazy for this. I'm not talking about for money line whatsoever, but to keep it close and maybe cover a spread, I think a lot of people are overlooking Rutgers versus Michigan, which, again, they should. I do think Michigan will win. I do think they will win. 3-0 Rutgers. I was about to say, yeah, if, if they can get any open holes versus Michigan, I mean, that running back, 
I think it's, I don't remember his first name, but his, his last name is Manungai. I mean, I I think I think that game could be closer than people think. I think Michigan runs away with it in the second half, but this game slate's just it's uh, you, crazy. You never I looked at you're never gonna believe what his first name is. I I'm gonna say this because I feel like I heard it in the game. It's not it's not Tanner, is it? It's Kyle. Kyle my I knew it was sound weird. Name. That's that's very weird. But um <laughs> but yeah, that'll that'll do it. For this edition of College Football Degenerate Podcast, once again, we want to thank our sponsor, Appliance Outlet. Michael, yes. do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, just a thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you share this with your friends and family. We're not just on Spotify. We are now on Apple Podcasts. I got it working. Man, it took a while, but it's here. So it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and app, uh, Amazon Music. So you can listen to it on your Alexa. Um, hey, that's 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 an absolute W. And you know, make sure people, you follow. Yeah, what are you gonna say? I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, yeah, follow the socials. But mainly for the people that um that made it this far in the episode, um, we have a treat for y'all. So me and Michael are gonna have enough time. To put out our our second episode of the week, which will come out on Friday, it's going to be our betting episode. And big surprise, we are going to have—I can't even believe I'm saying this—we're going to have our first ever guest on the College Football Hi. Degenerates podcast. It's going to be—it's going to be revealed to you. Then we're not—we're not, we're not going to disclose it, but you know. For all you for all you betting people out there, or for anyone who's looking for a preview of Week Four, you're gonna want to listen to that one. Yeah, just I mean, yeah, even if you don't bet, I mean, make sure you check out the episode just to know uh, what the teams are looking like, what numbers you want to think, where, uh, what you know, what what's your expectation, your expectation should be go- heading into a game. Uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, hopefully we can do this every week. We've been trying to do it for the last two weeks, but, you know, a few weeks, but time just hasn't allowed for it, but it is now. Uh, make sure you listen to it. Again, follow the socials, share the pod, make sure you like and all that stuff. And we want to thank you for listening. We hope you all have a great evening. Uh, Toby, anything else? Nope. Um, thank you for listening once again, and uh, we hope you all have a good week. All right. Goodbye.